This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. I grew up in a haunted house, or rather, a haunted neighborhood. It's an old Air Force base that has since been recommissioned for college students and families that go to school on the outskirts of town. Growing up there, I have experienced many strange things, many of which I cannot explain other than it being paranormal. Even though I know a good bit about paranormal things and even some about the occult, some of these entities proved to be out of my main knowledge base. For instance, I've seen my little sister's double, multiple shadows in the house, with a friend present. He quickly left after they all moved away at once. And I've witnessed things move around. I've also heard knocks on doors when no one else was home, footsteps up and down the hallway, conversations that would mute when you get close to them, and many other things. However, one of the creepiest things always happened in the main bathroom, which had a small hallway branching from the main hallway. It wasn't very long, but I never felt safe there. During the night, even as a growing adult, I would run as best as I could at night because I feared what was behind me. I slowly stopped doing so because I knew that whatever it was, it got some kind of pleasure from scaring me. I slowly started to not feel its presence nearly as much, but it was still there. One evening, as I'm taking a shower and getting ready for bed, I hear a knock, but not from the door. It came from the medicine cabinet. So, being the curious fucker I am, I pulled back the shower curtain and saw that some of the fog had been wiped off the mirror. I started to take a closer look. When I then saw a black eye with no skin around it start to peek its way into my line of sight, I quickly hopped back in the shower and sat there, back against the wall, not knowing what to do. I eventually turned the shower off and hauled ass out of there, still dripping wet. The next time I saw this thing, I was walking down the hall after getting home from school, and I'm the only one home. So, I start to do what male teenagers do when no one else is around. I then heard some scuffling, like dogs running around, and a door open. I ready myself for someone to be home, and as I walk out of my bedroom door, I hear a, Hey, but muted 
and not a voice I knew. So I started to make my way towards the front door with my back to the wall as I felt I might need to dash back to my room for safety. My mistake here was that I was facing the hallway that leads to the bathroom. I move over bit by bit and I hear another voice, which seems to be coming from the living room, so I take another step. Then I see something in the corner of my eye, like a hand pulling back from a corner. I couldn't make it out at the time, but it didn't freak me out enough until I got in full view of the hallway with this thing standing there in a grotesque way. Black eyes and claws, no skin anywhere, and it smelled of something awful. More of rotting meat than rotten eggs. I froze for a second before I saw it flinch a little, like it was coming for me. I dashed back to my room, slamming the door behind me, only to get three knocks every few seconds. I don't remember what I said, but it was along the lines of, I'm not going to be afraid of you, you can't get past this door. And then it stopped. I waited there until someone got home, to which I went outside for the rest of the day, and made sure I didn't have to use the restroom at night for any reason. A few months go by, and I'm still uncomfortable in this bathroom hallway, but not much has happened since, so my guard starts to slip. One night, I believe it was a Friday, I was taking a late night shower. Everything's going as normal, wash the hair, face, body, when suddenly the lights go out. There was a storm going on in town, and we were getting the weak part of it, so I didn't think much of it. I stepped out to turn on the lights and see if the house had a power. Sure enough, the house has power, but the bathroom lights aren't turning on, yet the exhaust fan was still on. That's when I started to get really worried, and tried to turn the lights on one more time, to no avail. I decided to keep my shower going in the dark. As I got back into the shower, I could feel something breathing on me, at the back of my neck and shoulders. I felt a few brushes of what I hoped was just my towel and not something else. As I'm getting out of the shower, I'm drying my hair off and the lights come on. Awesome, I'm thinking as I start to dry my face. When I pull the towel off, I look up and the mirror once again doesn't have fog, but this time the whole mirror is clear, not just a corner. I looked up a little more and just saw the thing there, right behind me, making a smile of sorts, but its mouth was sewn shut, or so it seemed. I stood there for about five seconds, unable to move, before feeling its claw on my shoulder, closer to my neck. I was suddenly able to move, and again left the bathroom dripping wet, running to my door. I slam it shut, shaken and trying to gather my nerves. I heard a deep, high-pitched laughter, then heard the bathroom door close. I went to bed that night with the lights on, all while hearing more footsteps than usual in the hallway. I've seen the thing three more times, but thankfully none as scary as mentioned above, since I've learned to deal with it and how to protect myself. I haven't heard much about skinless humanoids, so... This is one that has always stuck with me. It's the scariest thing to ever happen to me, other than the time I was held against a wall by a vengeful ghost. 
If you haven't heard of Dice Road Cemetery in Hemlock, Michigan, I'm here to tell you about it. There have been two movies based off of it, many paranormal researchers studying it, and so many stories within our community, including from retired fire marshals and police chiefs. Black magic is widely known in the area. Hell, the town is literally named Hemlock. My story regarding the cemetery of many could be long, so I'll do my best to shorten it up. A lot of us fellow weirdos enjoy going to the cemetery and walking around at night, hoping to find something or see something spooky. One night, me, my best friend, her mother, and her little brother decided to go. Her mother drove her Suburban and that night we just decided to park up on the side of the road, opposite of the cemetery. Her mom was in the driver's seat. My friend, she was in the passenger front. Her little brother was in the driver rear, and I was in the passenger rear. As we parked the car and shut it off, for some reason the interior lights would not shut off. It being dark outside, we couldn't see what was out there. But whatever was out there, could surely see into the car due to the light malfunction. The lights were working fine previously, and we never had any issues with this vehicle. We all just silently sat in the car for a little bit, looking out the windows. On the left of us was the road and then the cemetery. On the right were dense woods with no houses in sight or anybody nearby. All of a sudden, we saw a dark figure behind the vehicle slowly walking towards us. It walked with a limp, like it was dragging a leg. It was fully cloaked and had a human appearance. This thing kept getting closer to the vehicle. The mom started up the car, said fuck this, and zoomed off. About a mile away, there was another road that intersected with Dice Road. She quickly turned right onto that road and drove about two more miles. She then had to stop and pull over to the side of the road because she had the sudden urge to vomit. As she had her head out of the door puking, to the right of us, through the woods, we saw the same thing, following us, walking through the woods. Again, there wasn't anyone around. This was the middle of the night. No way a human could walk miles within just a few minutes to find us. She got her shit together and we took off driving down the road. For some unknown reason, we decided to loop back around and go back to the cemetery. This time we parked the car on the same side as the cemetery. The car was shut off. The lights were shutting off this time, and the doors were locked. My friend sitting in the passenger seat suddenly had her door ripped open. Thankfully, she was holding the door handle the whole time, perching herself up, trying to be aware. She slammed the door shut, and we started up the car. Before we could leave, or even have any time to focus, at the driver's side rear window where the little brother was, that same all-black-cloaked figure stood, but this time with its face in the window staring. 
The face was solid white. The eyes were dark. It had a long face. We didn't stick around long enough to see any other details, however. We were fucking out of there. I lived ten minutes away from the cemetery, and before I could be dropped off at home, we sat in the local McDonald's parking lot for a while. We were too afraid to get out of the car. Since then, the house I lived in after that incident had actually burned to the ground randomly. But before it burned down, I would wake up with huge scratches on my arms and back. It was just my 59-year-old mom and I living there with two dogs. One dog slept with my mom all night long. The other slept in a crate. There were two dog crates in the dining room, where we also had two older decorative couches. One morning before work, I woke up, went downstairs, and found that the couches were moved into the middle of the room, touching each other. The dog crates were repositioned and moved opposite of the room, with the dog still in it. My mom had just had a full hip replacement. There was no way she was able to do that. That's the end of my story. I'm sorry it went on so long. I'm missing so many valuable details. I hope you enjoyed it. Go ahead and look up Dice Road Cemetery. And let me know if you can find anything. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Years ago, when I was in my 20s, I worked at a haunted house that had the luck to rent an abandoned hospital for a few seasons. A major healthcare company had built a brand new facility on the other side of the city and sold the old building to an investor who rented it to us. The hospital had a reputation for being haunted, even when it was in operation. When the community heard what we were doing, it generated a lot of buzz, and people would tell us stories about their haunted experiences there. There were a few main entities that had shown up in multiple encounters. The token woman in white who had supposedly died during childbirth and was helpful. A little girl that loved mischief and humor. And a cranky man in his early fifties that people referred to as Overall Joe. 
At that time, as a fresh hobbyist paranormal investigator, I was skeptical but excited. The hospital did not disappoint. While myself and several friends had encounters with the little girl at different times across several years, I guess you could say I developed a bit of a rival relationship with Overall Joe. Some backstory. Overall Joe was supposedly a maintenance man, a janitor, sort of a blue-collar jack-of-all-trades that worked in the hospital in the 1950s. He had no wife or family, so he lived in the maintenance room in the basement of the hospital. He had a small, single bed, barely more than a cot, tucked into the room. The maintenance room is attached to a large room with backup diesel generators so that if the power went out, the life-saving machines above would continue functioning. Keeping them in good shape was part of Joe's job. Also in the basement is a small mental ward with a half-dozen doors, the morgue, some classrooms for continued education, and the cafeteria. The mental ward and the cafeteria are separated by a long hallway that runs the length of the entire hospital. One day, while overall Joe was in the cafeteria getting lunch, one of the more violent mental patients escaped from the mental ward. Somehow, this patient made it all the way down the long hallway with no one stopping him until they got to the cafeteria. Apparently, Joe tried to help grab the patient, but instead, they jumped on top of him, knocking him over. Before anyone could pull the patient off, they had strangled Joe to death there on the floor. For decades later, nurses and security on night shift would see a man from time to time wandering the hospital dressed in maintenance overalls, hence the name Overall Joe. He wore a white t-shirt underneath the overalls, a flannel jacket over the top, and he had dark brown hair with a bit of gray and a matching beard. When we took occupancy and began setting up the haunted house, things were pretty quiet for the first few weeks. The power to the building had been shut down for years, so we had our own gas generators we used to run lights and power equipment, such as fog machines. A few nights before we opened, weird things started happening. I think most of the people working there have at least one story. The entities seemed to mostly manifest when we were alone or in small groups. The first year, Jack tried to scare us out. One of my friends ran the glow-in-the-dark hockey mask room, and I was stationed just outside. One night when his wife and friend were helping him, they called me in because when they turned off the light to wait for the next group, they could hear an older man standing behind them in the pitch black, breathing heavily. They knew I had experience with ghost stuff and wanted to know what to do. They were ready to bail. I told them not to worry, just ignore it. If overall Joe wanted to get to them, he'd have to come through me first. As soon as I got back to my post, all of the black covering that was used to hide our makeshift walls billowed out, as if hit by a gust of wind, and I heard a man's low, throaty laugh on the other side of it. I had just called Joe out, and he was going to see if I was bluffing. He didn't do much else to me that first season, but others weren't so lucky. There was an old surgeon prep and changing room adjacent to my area 
where one girl was dressed in gauze and had makeup to make her look like a burn victim. Part of her act was that she had about 20 tea light candles arranged in a small circle. It was meant to be more creepy than scary. One night, soon after the above incident, I heard a blood-curdling scream from that room, so I quickly jogged over to find out what was going on. You expect screams in a haunted attraction, but a group had not been through in a hot minute. The young woman was hunched over, crying into another actor's shoulder. With all of the doors to the room closed and no draft, she said her candles had gone out, one by one in a spiral. It started at the top of the circle and then went around and in, the candle in the middle going out last. She said it happened in less than two seconds, fast but still slow enough that she could see the pattern. When that last candle went out, she'd heard a man's deep, quiet laugh behind her, taunting her. She quit that night and refused to set foot in the building ever again. The next year, I was assigned to a room near that same area, and that's when Joe sort of went, I remember you, and decided to mess around with me even more. Prior to even decorating, I was with two of the guys who ran maintenance and technical for our haunted house. We were doing a sweep of the basement to look at the possibility of extending the haunt down there that year. They walked side by side, and I brought up the rear. Everything seemed normal until we walked past the door to the diesel generators and the maintenance room, Joe's room, when I was suddenly shoved on my right shoulder so hard and unexpectedly that I lost my balance and hit the wall to my left. Instead of getting scared or angry, I just righted myself and said, Nice try, Joe, under my breath. Other times that year when I was alone, I would occasionally hear someone walking around about 10 feet behind me, only to turn around with my light, and no one would be there. Sometimes I would hear odd noises from empty rooms, things that would be moved when no one was around, small stuff like that. That was until one night while the attraction was open, there was an issue with one of the generators that caused all of our lights and power to go out. Someone from the tech crew came around to tell us to take a quiet 10-minute break while they got it fixed. I flipped on my LED light and made myself at home in the old oral surgery chair in my room, took out my flip phone, and called my girlfriend. While she and I were talking, one of the groups farther down the path had gotten scared because of the sudden lack of lights. One of the hosts was leading them down the hall in my direction. I turned my flashlight off so I wouldn't be visible. The group passed by and I spent several minutes alone, in the dark, listening to my girlfriend talk about her day. Suddenly, the hairs on the back of my neck and arms stood up. Something was wrong. It was pitch black in there without a light on, at 10pm in a room with no windows, so I flipped my light back on. My eyes had been looking in the direction of the hallway where the group had just passed, but standing just to the side of my gaze, close enough I could have reached out and touched his arm, was a man. He looked as solid as if he were just a lost customer. He was looking down, staring daggers at me. I can still picture in my head his white t-shirt, 
blue denim overalls and red flannel jacket with brown hair touched by silver and a short brown beard and steel gray eyes. I was a bit in shock, but I quickly recovered. I turned to look him in the eyes and was getting ready to say something, but he quickly vanished. Just blinked into nothing. I interrupted my girlfriend with an apology and said, Hey, sorry to cut this short, but I have to go. Joe's here. I stood up and searched around my room, then checked the adjacent areas, but he was gone. I had more experiences with Joe and the little girl entity over the years, but that experience stood out to me. He didn't really mess with me much after that. For the most part, it was small things to let me know he was still there. I don't consider myself psychic or an empath, but after that night, I felt like I earned a degree of respect from the old guy. I do know I'll never forget the night overall Joe showed himself to me in the middle of a haunted hospital. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When I was seven, my mother remarried to my then-stepfather, and the three of us moved into my childhood home in rural northeast Massachusetts. He was a firefighter and often worked overnight shifts. I liked those nights because it was just me and my mom again. We would watch movies and stay up late on the weeknights when my stepfather worked his overnight shifts, being that a new man was in the family and we had just moved, it probably affected my tiny seven-year-old self in more ways than one. I would usually ask my mom if I could sleep in her bed. The answer was usually no, but when it was yes, it felt like a big treat. Big, comfy bed, TV in the room, etc. Now this house was built by his parents. It was pretty big, but very log cabin style in a very dark woodsy part of town, right out of a storybook. Many of the doors in the house didn't lock, but had a simple latch-style handle. The basement was not built well at all, and had bizarre turns that led to spaces smaller than they should be. On this particular night, I was sleeping in my own bed, and in my dream, I was down in the basement, looking for something. 
I remember to this day. It was something stupid like a toy. Suddenly, I hear my name. But I hear something pretty much suggesting to me that it's a very good idea that I head upstairs now. Head to safety. In my dream, I ran up the stairs, as I usually do in real life. I get to the main floor, and I'm struggling to shut the latchkey door handle. I open it back up, and stomping, clobbering up the stairs, shaking the entire house, grinning a menacing and emotionless grin is what I can only describe as a giant, cartoonish cat grinning from ear to ear. It was glowing like some kind of technicolor cat. I slammed the door, and suddenly I'm awake. My mom is shaking me. Sam, Sam, you're going to come and sleep in my room tonight, okay? Half asleep, I didn't consider anything out of the ordinary. I was a kid. She took me down the hall and locked me into her room. I don't remember being frightened, but I remember hearing her crying through the door, crying into the phone. Who is she talking to? I couldn't hear the conversation. Now I'm starting to worry. Within five minutes, the entire fire department showed up at our house. They were searching the house. My mom had called my stepdad. She heard something or somebody inside of the house. In the basement. Stomping up the steps. She had heard somebody walking around in our basement. And on our basement steps. Loud enough to wake her up. At the same exact time I was dreaming. Of a fucking giant cartoonish cat. Chasing me up those stairs. They found nobody but us. I remember her laughing about it the next morning on the phone with her friends. I never told her about my dream until about 2017. 19 years later. I can't explain it. But it was only the first of many experiences in that house. More for next time. When I was a teenager, my best friend lived downtown, so if I wanted to see her, I would have to drive. My younger sister and I would usually go together, since we were all close. She would usually also bring a friend, so my car was always full whenever I would go hang out with my friend. If we didn't spend the night at her house, we would usually drive home super late. One night, while we were making our way home, we decided to take a detour through a neighborhood we were very familiar with. As I made the turn onto this winding road, I suddenly got this feeling in the pit of my stomach. I noticed that as soon as I felt the coldness spreading through my limbs, everyone in the car went quiet. We all had a bad feeling. The road isn't just residential. There's also a huge public park on one side that is pitch black at nighttime, so it adds another level of creepy. 
just as we're all starting to tell each other that something doesn't feel right, I see something on the road about 50 feet in front of the car. At first, I thought it was an old bedsheet or something, or a light-colored garbage bag. But it was moving. Everyone in the car was freaking out and screaming by this point, because the closer we got to it, the more it looked like something gray, crawling, or pulling itself across the street. All I could make out were long limbs. It was faceless and almost slithering. The road was two lanes, so just one road in each direction, and this thing was taking up a lot of space, so I couldn't just go around it. I also had this feeling in my gut that stopping was a bad idea. I could not stop the car. By the time I came right up on this thing, it would have hit the driver's side tire, except nothing happened. We ended up driving through smoke or a cloud. Everyone screamed because we all saw it. How could we drive through it and not have hit anything? I never looked back. I drove like a bat out of hell through that subdivision until I hit a main road and went straight to the highway. We all talk about it sometimes and still have no way to explain what the hell we saw. And we never drive through that subdivision at night anymore. Just before sixth grade, my family went on a vacation to an island in the Caribbean. It's not a super touristy town, and it's very small. Basically, all we did all day, every day, was go to a beach and hang out. It was a lot of fun. But one day, when we were packing up our things to leave the beach, something happened. I was getting my stuff together on one part of the beach, while several yards away, near a bunch of really big rocks, my family was packing up more of our belongings. To my left was a steep bluff that had a path that wound its way up to the top. That's how you entered and exited this part of the beach. Well, as I was standing there, waiting for my family to get themselves together, I looked up at the bluff and saw my mother walking to the edge of that bluff, looking out at the ocean. She tossed her hair, then walked back out of my line of sight. Worried that she was leaving without me, I called to her, Mom! Mom! But she didn't come back. I raced up the path to the top of the bluff, calling her name. But I didn't see her. Look, I don't know if it was the 90s stranger danger, or I was an anxious kid or what, but one of my number one fears was getting lost without a parent. Panic seized me. I kept calling her name as I sprinted down the path and out onto the road. Where the heck did she go? How did I not find her? Where is everybody? I took a right turn at the road and ran all the way down to where a bunch of people were waiting at a bus shelter. Maybe she was there, I thought. 
but as I came up and stopped, I realized she wasn't. I must have looked terrified, because a middle-aged lady in the group said to me, Are you all right? I think I'm lost, I answered, starting to cry. The people at the bus stop immediately started asking me questions to try and help. But it was right around then that I heard my mom calling my name from behind me. I ran up and hugged her. We both started crying. I was scared. When I started to ask her why she had gone off without me, she was confused. I told her what had happened. She told me she never even went up on the bluff. She had been with my brother and my dad packing up our bags on the other side of the beach the whole time. When she turned around, I was gone. I swear the woman I saw on the bluffs was my mother. She looked exactly like her. She was wearing the same clothes, the same sunglasses, and the way that she walked and tossed her hair was exactly the same. I mean, she was so convincing that I literally chased after her. I can't explain how she disappeared when I got to the top of that bluff. And to this day, I still get a shivery feeling and wonder who or what that mother imposter was. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard The Thing with No Skin by Tanner. Dice Road Cemetery by Shelby. My Encounter with Overall Joe by Chris. The Night the Entire Fire Department Confirmed My Bad Dream by Samantha Rowe. Weird by Julia. And finally, Mother Imposter by Vivi. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Odd Trails is not associated with any message boards online. If you have any stories you'd like heard on the show, submit them to stories at oddtrails.com. You can also find us on Instagram at oddtrailspodcast. So I guess it's true when they say that dabbling in paranormal activities and whatnot can sometimes invite things into our lives yeah i think that just talking about these stories and getting uh, you know doing our research and getting involved in these types of phenomena we definitely open the door to something something's been going on in the house you've been staying with me for a while while we record these episodes mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. so this is what happened to us the other night I've been hearing crazy noises in my house, like people walking around downstairs. But it sounds like multiple people will just be walking around. The creaking sounds exactly like footsteps. My dog will be growling at the door. I'll go down there. It'll be nothing. You know, the other night I, I grabbed a knife because I didn't want to get my gun. And I went out front. There was nothing outside. I, I went out back. Nothing out back. There's there's no sign of a break-in. Nothing. And But these sounds have been happening every, every other night or so. And I look down when I'm in the backyard, and so my back porch is covered. But when I look down, my welcome mat to the back door is soaked, and there's a trail of water going to the grass. But the grass is dry because it hasn't rained in a couple of days. Uh, the grass is totally dry, but the, the water just stops there. It was like somebody just dragged something that was wet from my back door to the grass, and it just disappeared. 
I don't have any explanation. We're in a drought right now, so I have all my sprinklers off. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's very, very weird. It's a good thing you grabbed the knife at least. Uh, I'm sure they would respond better to a knife, especially a uh, Gordon Ramsay uh, Series 3000. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by True Chef Battles. <laughs> True Chef Battles. <laughs> Your favorite True Chef TV show. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I have all these giant knives in my kitchen because I'm really into cooking. My friend actually used to have this samurai sword over his TV in his house when we were younger. And we would always make fun of him for it. Except for one night, there was a woman being either harassed or assaulted outside. And he sprung into action. He grabbed the samurai sword and he chased the dude away down the road. Oh, damn. Like some Yojimbo shit. I like that. I like that. Exactly. I mean, he was drunk off his ass, so he had no fear. He grabbed that samurai sword and just chased that guy down the road. And the woman just took off. Hopefully she's okay. But, uh, yeah, weird things have been happening. Yep. Weird shit, dude. Well, I think for next episode's outro, we can discuss the uh, goings-on with the Ouija board. How's that sound? Yeah, I mean, it's not like we aren't inviting these spirits with this weird shit we're doing. Uh, But yeah, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Uh, But thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Odd Trails. Yep, we'll see you again next week. And as always, if you have a story of your own that you would like us to narrate on the show... You can go ahead and submit that to stories at oddtrails.com. And there's also social media, Instagram at oddtrailspodcast. Thank you again. We'll see you next week. Peace out.